2: Welcome back, Blue Stable listeners. This is Destin Adams, and you are listening to the Blue Stable podcast, the official Colts podcast of Fan Sided. With us today is the one and only Zach Kiefer of The Athletic. Zach, how are you doing today? One and only. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Hey, I mean, if you look up Zach Kiefer, I mean, you're going to be the only one that we find. That's true. That's true.
1: That's true. I'm great. I'm um I'm enjoying some scenic uh, West Ohio hills right now as I drive uh, back from
2: Canton. Yeah, which, I mean, everybody who's drove through West Ohio, I think that's the exact word they would use, is scenic. Um, just so many things to see on your left and right in Ohio. But, I mean, Zach, coming back from Canton, um, being able to be there for the Hall of Fame game and also the to watch some of these Colts get put into Canton two pretty big ones in Peyton Manning and Edron James like how was it just being there being able to hear from those two yeah it was a
1: special weekend for the franchise there's no doubt i mean you should have just seen the faces that i saw in terms of former players i mean it was a reunion you know it was like a class reunion except everybody in the class is a world champion and you know part of the the greatest dynasty this franchise has ever had certainly in indianapolis so um and and what struck me And everyone out there who watched at home probably had the same idea. And I talked about this with Reggie Wayne a little bit last night was how different the two speeches were. And they were very much an embodiment of who these guys were. I mean, edges was like everyone judged me and I was different and I did it my way. And it was awesome. I mean, the edges was one of my favorite speeches I've ever heard. And I've covered a lot of these now because the Colts have a lot of these guys that have gone in. And then a night later, Peyton's was like a love letter to football. It was like an ode to this game that, you know, that he said carved out a place for him to belong. So Peyton's was so polished and presidential and edges was so real and so raw. And, you know, edge summed it up best. He said, we couldn't be more different. He's talking about him and Peyton, you know, that you think about where they grew up and, and all that, they, they look different. They talk different. They, they approach the game the same and he said once it came to football we just connected like brothers and that's the coolest part about football and that was very much on display this weekend
2: yeah a sport where you can see a guy like Edron James and a guy like Peyton Manning end up in the same place just 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 because of how different they are is just such a cool way to look at it I mean and then we got to see really special bond um, that we kind of already knew about between Jim Ursay and Edron James but just to be able to see it like under the lights on the big stage is hearing Jim Ursay talk about Edron James in front of all these people I mean Jim Ursay has always talked about the love he has for Edron James but it was on full display this weekend yeah I mean
1: and one of his favorite players ever if not his favorite player ever and he's got a lot to pick from right um, but there was something about Edgerin that just Ursay connected with and um, I know for a fact that when he had to tell Edgerin the Colts weren't going to bring him back in 2006 it was you know one of the hardest things he's ever had to do in his life and and obviously what happened five years later with Peyton is probably right up there as well but uh, it, it speaks to how much these guys meant to him that Ursay was such a fundamental part of this weekend I mean the Colts paid for both parties and, and both parties went late into the night. Ursae uh, flew Peyton on his private jet out to Canton. He flew Edrin and his family on his private jet out to Canton. Um, I think it's hitting Jim more and more as he gets older, just how special and unique that era was. And I don't think anyone really appreciated it for how unique it was in that moment. Cause you're just watching the team and the team's just trying to win championships, but to have, Tony Dungy, Marvin Harrison, Edron James, Peyton Manning, Bill polian all wearing gold jackets as of right now. That's absurd. I mean, it's just absurd how, how insane that, that team was in the 2000s.
2: And hopefully we're going to get to see a Reggie Wayne joining them very, very soon, along with maybe a couple of defensive players here in the near future of that era. Um, but another big thing about these speeches that we got to hear about is – this, now of all of this chatter about Peyton Manning possibly being the next NFL commissioner, um, just hearing him talk about football, hearing him talk about the league, it's just something a lot of people are now connecting dots on. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, if you listen to his speech,
1: it almost sounded like a political speech. It was like a, a rallying cry for the game of football. It was like a call to arms, and this is what I wrote about. It was like half love letter to the game that meant so much to him and also about the importance of the future. I mean, he didn't talk about any touchdown throws or any MVPs or any Super Bowl wins. He talked about how much he cherishes football and how much they need to protect that, and it it was a rallying cry to his Hall of Famers and to the former players about protecting the game and pushing it forward. Um, and, and nobody knows what Peyton's going to do next. He's going to do the ESPN thing for a couple of years, the alternative Monday night broadcast, but even Ursa doesn't know what Peyton's next step is. I mean, whether it's politics or an NFL commissionership or coach. I mean, I talked to Chris Ballard about this for a half an hour on the phone a, a month ago. And Chris said, this guy could step in right now and do any job in the league. He could become a head coach tomorrow. He could be an OC. He could be a quarterback coach. Obviously, he could be a GM. He could be a president. He could be an owner. So it's almost like he's got too many options. But you know, when I wrote this last night, I feel like Peyton. You know, he he said, "I'm not going to walk away from this game." So he's he's got something in mind. I really believe that he wants to give football more. Uh, He's not done. He's not going to just show up at parties or the Hall of Fame events once a year. He wants to continue. To give back to the game and, and what what other avenue that is, only he knows that and maybe his wife, but um, he really set it up last night to where he could do anything he wanted in this game
2: I feel like that's just like a shoe that NFL fans people working in the NFL have just been waiting to drop is what Peyton Manning's going to do next because I mean I don 't think anybody has thought he was just going to be a nationwide'm uh, I'm, I'm, like spokesperson or all these different brands that he's repping commercial wise um, that he might be amazing at, like, don't get me wrong, but we just know that this is not going to be what Peyton Manning's post football career is. Um, He's turned away multiple opportunities to be in the booth. Um, He accepted one this next year, obviously where him and Eli are going to be doing an alternative um, broadcast but there's just always felt like something else could happen, um, whether it was coaching, whether it was front office work, whether maybe it's even ownership. But now this NFL commissionership, I mean, there's just so many different ways Peyton could take this. But I mean, like you said, it's, it's going to be in football. Um, listening to the speech, it, it, it was just apparent that this is where his heart is. That's where he wants to be. Um, I'm very curious to see what it looks like because I can't even imagine that this alternative broadcast with Eli is the ceiling of what Peyton's post career is going to be not. Yeah. It's like, there has to be more coming and we're so excited to see what that looks like. But I mean, I remember a few years back, even before as Chris Ballard was being hired, fans speculating that Peyton Manning was going to come be the GM of the Colts, um, Until Peyton Manning decides on this next career, speculation is going to brew. And it's always fun to see what Peyton could be doing. But now we want to see what Peyton will be doing. But moving on to some current Colts with Zach Kiefer. So, I mean, you've had the privilege of being able to be out there at Grand Park. Um, Fans are back. Um, media personnel are back on the field this year after a year and a half ish away from not being able to do that. Basically two years of zoom um, running any interactions you've had with the team. Um, How has it been just being back at grand park? Oh, it's been great. It's,
1: it's my favorite spot for training camp of all the places I've covered it by far. It's it's great to have the fans. It feels like training camp. And it's great to talk to the players in person. And I mean, we had to force Buckner on the first or second day and, the first time we've ever talked to him in person and he's been here for a year so um it's it's not quite a hundred percent back to normal normal but we made a huge step and it's it's really great to walk up and down the fields at grand park and and watch practice up close
2: now is deforest buckner even bigger in person than you imagined yeah he's a big dude but i'll tell
1: you what you you wait till you see dayo in person um he's the only guy on this roster that can give buckner a run for his money in terms of just sheer size. And I'm around football players a lot. So you get numb to how big these guys are. Buckner stands out. Deo, I mean, the first time I saw Deo, I, I said, holy shit to myself because he's that big. I mean, he, and he's not even in pads yet. He's just walking around. You know, he's still got the Achilles. He probably won't play until later this season. But this dude, if he can move, like he moved at Vanderbilt, as big as he is, he's going to be a problem. So stay tuned
2: for that in a couple months. So, yeah, we're going to have to get a back-to-back, and then we're going to need to see whose arms are longer between Buckner and Dario you know, as soon as possible. Um, but that, that has to be cool, just being able to be back in person, especially um, having to be on Zoom for this past year. It just, I bet it's just a whole new sense of just being thankful to be able to be in person. But moving on to training camp, um, we want to hear some takeaways that you've, that you've heard, that you felt um, being able to watch the team, what you've heard from the team. Um, so, we're going to talk offense first and then defense. So, if you had to pick three takeaways that you've seen from this offense, what are they?
1: My first two are the, um, are just, we have to take it into context right now. So, the offense is going to be different. They're playing different. They just have more confidence. And, and this is usually the jump you see, but Jonathan Taylor's been dominant. I mean, he's been unbelievable. He's just faster. He's hitting the hole with a little bit more conviction. Remember last year there would be some almost like apprehension to hit the hole. He wasn't doing it as quickly as you'd want him to early in the year. And then he took off late. Jonathan Taylor looks fantastic. And, and you talk to him after practice and he just sounds like he gets it. He just sounds like he grew up last year, those last six or seven games when he was second in the league and rushing to, to, to only Derrick Henry. So I, Taylor's by stock at him. He, he's going to be a star this year. I believe that. And the other guy on the outside is Michael Pittman. Who's got, he's got this anger to his game right now. And he's got a lot of confidence and he's, he's very much looking like a number one receiver to me. And I don't think the Colts are going to have a bona fide number one. That's not how Frank Reich does it. You've also got T.Y. Hilton, but Pittman is just playing with more physicality and more confidence and I mean, he got in a fight a couple of weeks ago with the reserve safety and threw this dude to the ground like it was the WWE and I just feel like this guy once he puts it all together and once he starts to believe that he can be a number one guy and we asked him about it and he said yeah I want that I want defenses to target me I want that pressure every week so you know we're not going to see the full slate of what this guy can do until Carson is back but Pittman and Taylor just look incredible to me. And then the other guy is Naheem Hines. And, and I know that he wasn't out there the first week and a half, but he was back the first day they had pads on. And I'm telling you, this dude looks like he just got off the field in Buffalo. And if you remember, he was one of the best players the Colts had that day. No doubt. He pulled that team back with Rivers, with Jack Doyle. I mean, they were, they were down double digits in that playoff game. And Naheem Hines of all people brought the Colts back. He, and it's not just, Scat back stuff. I mean, he's a great receiver, and we've seen that in camp. But this dude's running with power. He's hitting the hole quick. I mean, th- this is gonna be a really fun running back room to watch. So those are my three takeaways on offense.
2: And sadly, one of the bigger storylines so far from the offense is just how how many injuries have kind of piled up on that side. Um, We have, we've had Eric Fisher, who obviously we're still going to be waiting on a little bit just for, as he rehabs that Achilles injury, he suffered in January. Um, Then you add Carson to that list with a just obscure injury that you don't see often. And then to add insult to injury, um, you see Quentin Nelson with pretty much the exact same um, injury come out pretty much a few days after. And So so far, in your opinion, how how do you think the reserves are looking on the left side of that line? Um, And if this is a team that has, if this is a offensive line that has to play the first week, maybe the first couple of weeks of the season, um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's going to be a problem. I'll just keep
1: it real with you, man. Like it's not, it's not okay. Yeah, I mean they're getting better, but. You're telling me, I mean, they, they put in Will Holden yesterday. And I think Holden's a better option than Tevy. I mean, Quitty pay destroyed Te- Tevy for like a week and that's great for Quiddie pay, but that's awful for Frank Reich in the offense. I mean, if you're going to get a real evaluation of Jacob Eason, you need Quentin out there and you need Ryan Kelly out there and you need a left tackle who can play maybe not Eric Fisher. Cause he's not going to be ready, but, um, it's rough. I mean, the defensive line, I mean, Buckner and Grover have lived in the backfield the days that I was out there as of last week, I had to go to Canton on Saturday, but, um, you know, when you're putting in a rookie quarterback and I, I, I consider Ethan a rookie quarterback, you got to give him every chance to succeed. He's still going to fail a couple of times, but you got to give him every chance to succeed. And that line right now is not going to do that. You got to think Seattle and LA those first couple of weeks. I mean, we're talking Aaron Donald for God's sakes. Um, so that's concerning. And we're going to get a good look this week when the Panthers come to town Thursday and Friday, that's going to be really big for Jacob Easton. I think it's the biggest practices he's had in maybe his football life. I mean, not to over dramatize it, but it's a big deal for him. Just Sam Ellinger has at least made it interesting. Well, we won't call it a competition, but he's made it interesting. And um, then you got the game on Sunday. So, you know, Chris Reed at left guard and, whoever's at left tackle. And and I know Kelly's coming back and and thank the heavens for that, for the Colts, because Pinter wasn't getting it done in terms of, I mean, there was one day where he had three bad snaps in a row and that's just going to kill Eason. So Eason's got enough to worry about and Eason hasn't been great. He hasn't been terrible either, but the fact that that line is so banged up is, is certainly not
2: helping. I mean, in this Panthers, I mean, joint practice and the preseason, I'm really interested to see, what this left side looks like um, because I I'm someone that really likes Brian Burns um, in Carolina. Um, They also added a guy in Hassan Reddick on the edge that I really liked um, a guy that I was really hoping the Colts would take a shot at. So I'm this Panthers team. I mean, they may not be known as one of the prime um, pass rushing units in the NFL, but they have guys that can cause a havoc. And I I mean, we're seeing guys like Quidipe, Ben Banigu, Komoko Toure, just do nasty things to this offensive line that is down some pretty key guys right now. I'm very curious to see what a team that comes in that has no reason um, to take any snaps easier than they would normally um, because this isn't their teammates. They have no problem embarrassing a Sam Tevy or a Will Holden or a Danny Pinter. Um, So I'm really interested to see what those kind of guys bring to the table as these joint practices start. But here moving over, to the defensive side of the ball, Zach, what are your three takeaways that you've seen or heard from the defense?
1: Yeah. My breakout prediction is, is 58. It's Bobby Okereke. Um, He just, he's just gotten better every year. And he's been all over the field in camp. I mean, we're talking like real sideline to sideline and he's got the speed. And I mean, he's there were times when I feel like he's the Colts leading receiver because he's picked off Jacob Easton so many times. And, you know, he's, He's just—he's just a great draft pick. I mean, he's a great fit for this scheme, and—and and yeah, he's gonna have to get his hands dirty a little bit at the mic spot. He's gonna have to shed some tackles and get off blocks, and um, you know, cover up in traffic. But um, without Darius out there the first couple of weeks, the Colts have had a start linebacker. And his name is Bobby Okereke. So, dude, that dude is just fun to watch, and he's gonna make plays this season. He's not the playmaker that Leonard is. Really, no linebacker is. But he's not, he's not a bad one in his own right. So he, he will still make plays. And I'm talking forced fumbles. I'm talking interceptions. I'm talking tackles for loss. So Okariki just looks fantastic. And he'll take over that Mike spot, no questions asked. Um, you know, and, and I don't want to overlook the D-line. Just because they're going against a bad offensive line doesn't mean they're not playing great. I mean, Grover Stewart, I mean, there was one day I, I watched an entire practice with Coach Venturi you know, the longtime assistant, he was the interim coach for the Colts. And, you know, Buckner wanted one-on-one reps so decisively that Venturi says, you got to get him out of there. He's just going to embarrass these guys. I mean, you take for granted how good Buckner is, but first team all pro at the defensive tackle spot, he's just, he's just a menace. So, um, he looks really good. Should be back on the practice field this week after a little bit of a foot thing. Um, the D line's been great. Okariki, And then Man, I'm telling you, man, like, Kari Willis, like, he doesn't get the headlines, he doesn't speak very loudly, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't make a lot of interceptions, but just really quietly efficient, and don't take him for granted, because when he goes out of the game, this defense changes, and if you go back to the Pittsburgh game last year, in the second half, when he got hurt, that game completely changed, and I know the Colts were dealing with a left tackle situation and a right tackle situation, but they need Willis. They need him in the back end. And, and uh, Julian Blackman was talking about how much Kari has helped him settle into the defense and play free. And and knowing that 37's back there and he's going to be in his spot. So Julian can really just play center field, you know. So, uh, you know, maybe an obvious pick in, in Bobby Okereke, but Willis, really solid.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Bobby Okereke is a guy that – We've seen the athletic ability even just be shown in the roles he's played, even when Anthony Walker was here, even when Darius Leonard is on the field. Um, But I mean, looking now and what he's been able to do in camp, I mean, I, I think it's easy to say that I think Bobby Okereke could come in day one and be the Colts best coverage linebacker. And I'm really interested to see what he looks like in this larger role, even though I would count him as a starter last year and what he was able to do and the snaps he was able to put up. But I'm really interested to see what Bobby Okereke does with this time that he's given, especially with Darius Leonard on the sideline for this first few weeks. I mean, he's had to be the leader in this linebacking room. I mean, Anthony Walker is gone. Who is the vocal leader? Darius Leonard has not been on the field um, as he, and he's the talent and just voice um, of that defense. So Bobby Okereke has had a lot to step into for sure. Yeah. And, and I'm not even doing it justice. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying
1: to overlook some other guys, but, Um, You know, Xavier Rose just got back. Rocky Sins had an up and down camp. I like what I've seen from Isaiah Rogers. I think that third cornerback spots really very much still up in the air. Um, But Marvel Tell has kind of worked his way into the conversation, maybe a little bit, Um, but it's going to be, you know, you talk to coaches and they'll tell you that those two practices against the Panthers are going to be more beneficial and more revealing than the actual game on Sunday. And, for Jacob Beeson, I think that's true because this Panthers defense is not going to take it easy on him. He's had a hard time moving the ball against the Colts defense, so it'll be fascinating. And then for the flip side, I'm really excited for the Colts defense to see, you know, Darnold, a good quarterback, pretty good quarterback. McCaffrey, a dynamic running back. And then they've got skill on the edges, too. You know, they got receivers who can play. So, um they're going to go, I mean, they're going to go full on 11 on 11 real football Thursday and Friday in Grand Park for those afternoon practices. That's going to be something we can learn a lot from.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, I'm sure a lot of those guys um, in Carolina are wishing they were going to be able to see like guys like Quentin Nelson to be able to like help improve their games. They are they were wishing that they're going against a guy like Carson Wentz, um, but I mean, it's next man up in Indy um, and Carolina is going to have to adjust the same, but I'm really interested to see, like you said, in those joint practices. um, I, like I said earlier, I'm a big Brian Burns and and Hassan Reddick fan. I'm really interested to see what they, what this offensive line is able to do against two guys that, I really believe are some top tier guys in the NFL. Um, not, not in the miles Garrett, TJ Watt um, area of names per se, no. but I, but I definitely think they are quality guys at the edge position um, that are going to be able to really push this offensive line. I mean, if they've struggled against some of these young guys in Indy that have really had struggles getting, building a consistency in the NFL. I and mean, then obviously you have Quiddy pay, who's a rookie I'm really interested to see what they do against proven guys in Reddick and Burns. It's going to be a
1: preview in September. I mean, you think it's going to be hard with the Panthers. Wait till you see the Rams and the Seahawks and the Titans. Indianapolis knows that. And then you got Miami. And that's a really good defense top to bottom. Baltimore and in week five. So, you know, the Colts' brutal stretch. It's it just when you look at that line. Maybe they can get better And there's things. But like, uh, you think it's going to be easy when they face Seattle and L.A.? and. Miami has a Toronto Autry who everybody in Indianapolis knows how good he he can be and then they play Baltimore in week five Baltimore, you know, speaks for itself. So it's a, it's a, it's a really big concern right now. And I think the fans that are going to come out to Grand Park that have seen the practices so far. And those that will watch on Thursday and Friday, I think they're going to, they're going to see this. It, it, It is, is it enough to make you worry? I think so.
2: Yeah, it'll for sure be something to look out for. Uh, I mean, as a season ticket holder, I'll be at the first preseason game. Um, and as Frank Reich and many others on staff have basically said, I mean, Jacob Easton's going to get to play more than a normal um, QB one in the sense of preseason's first game, um, just because, I mean, Like you said earlier, I mean, he's basically a rookie. We haven't been able to see him. He's had zero NFL snaps, including the preseason, with no preseason last year as a rookie, kind of hindering that process for him. So, I mean, you have to see what you have in Jacob Easton. So they're going to let the guy play a little bit. So we're, I'm super excited to be able to see that. Make sure you anybody who wants to tunes into that preseason game, I know it's not always the most exciting time of the year to watch a preseason game. But this is a big one. This is going to, this is going to tell us a lot about this first few weeks of the regular season if Carson does indeed have to miss any time. Well, Zach, I've really been thankful that you took the time um, out of your trip through the scenic parts of West Ohio. Um, Do you have anything else to say about the coming weeks for this Colts team? No, it's you know
1: it's it's a big week for Jacob Eason, and it's a big week for Sam Ellinger. We're going to see how this shakes out the next couple of weeks. There's no reason to overreact to the first ten or twelve days of post Carson life, Carson Wentz. Life, you know, whoever fills this window until Carson returns. um, I think the practices against Carolina and the games are going to really tell the fans where these guys are at. So I think both of them have a lot, a lot of questions to answer. And it starts with Eason.
2: And, well, and All right, guys. Well, this has been Zach Kiefer um, with your own Destin Adams, and I'm going to throw it back to myself and the guys where we can talk a little bit more about this. But Zach, again, thank you so much and safe travels back to Indiana. Thanks for having me,
0: Destin.